0: Now, the the Christian life is wonderful, it's hard, I mean, any, any adjective you can think of, that's what it is. And the last two verses of the book of James talk about something about the Christian life that's hard, but it's true. And the truth is that not everyone who says that they're a Christian is actually a Christian and a lot of times what happens is people may say they're a christian because they prayed some prayer they repeated after the pastor and they said oh good i'm a christian now i've got fire insurance is what they called it when i was growing up get it fire insurance from hell you guys get it no okay anyways and then um just a few years after that they totally walk away from the faith they're not going to church anymore they're not reading their bibles anymore Some of these people may say, I still believe, but I'm just not going to really live like it. And others may say, I don't believe in that at all anymore whatsoever. And James, with his last two verses of this letter, he addresses this issue. And he gives direction on what Christians should do about wandering Christians. About people who say that they're Christians, but they're starting to wander away from the truth. Now here's what he says the last 2 verses James chapter 5 19 and 20 it says my brothers if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins he says my brothers if anyone among you wanders from the truth so we just talked about they're wandering away. Now remember who he's writing to. He's writing to the Christians of the dispersion. He's writing to Christians. He's writing to people who say that they trust in Jesus. He's writing to people that say that they are Christians. So he's talking to them when he says, If anyone among you wanders from the truth. Understand? We have to understand. He's writing to people who say that they are Christians. And he says, If you wander from the truth. Now what is this truth? that he's referring to. Hopefully you know this already, but the truth that he's talking about is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel. And now what does it mean to wander away from the truth? Wander means to walk or move in an aimless way. So they are walking away aimlessly from the truth, away from the gospel. So you can picture in your, in your mind, like if you're walking in step with something and then you start to wander away. You're getting further and further away from the thing that you should be walking with. That's what it means when it says if any of these people are wandering from the truth. These people, one day they say, I'm a Christian. And the next day they might say, never mind, not anymore. Don't want to have, don't want to have anything to do with that. Before we go any further into these verses, it's important that we talk more about the truth. Capital T, truth. The truth is something that is true. I know that sounds very simple, but it's important that you understand that. The truth is something that is true. And maybe you've heard this phrase before, but truth is objective. And what that means is that when something is true, it's true for everyone, even if they don't believe it. Is it true that two plus two is four? Yes? What if I said, I don't believe that two plus two is four, I believe two plus two is seven. Am I right? No, please, please, no, I'm not right. But what if I said, well, that's, it's actually my truth. My truth is that 2 plus 2 is 7. Does that change the fact that I'm still wrong? No, it doesn't. 2 plus 2 is 4. That's the truth. Even if you disagree, even if someone disagrees with that, which people in this world would literally tell you that my truth is that 2 plus 2 is 7. People have gone that far away from the concept of truth. Anyways, the point is, Truth is true even if you don't believe it or it's not believed by someone else. If I say God is real, you cannot say, well, that's your truth. My truth is different. And in my truth, there's no such thing as God. That is not how logic works. That's not how truth works. But listen, you guys are going to experience this if you haven't already. People think this way in our postmodern world. Truth is true whether you agree or not. And so James talks about the truth. Something that is true, that will always be true, whether you believe it or not. And again, this truth he's referring to is the gospel of Jesus Christ. In John fourteen six. I want you to write that verse reference down. You probably memorized this in a one as if you were a cubby or a spark or something. It says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus says that he is the way and the truth. The way to what? The way to be with God the Father. The way to heaven. The only way to be saved. He says that he is the truth. And when Jesus says that he is the truth, that means that all of his claims That his perfect life, that his death, his resurrection, it's all true. And again, there are people who will say, well, not for me. That's not my truth. What we have to understand is that when he says, I'm the way, the truth, the life, he is the only truth, the only way to salvation. And that's it. It is true that God created the heavens and the earth. It is true That God created Adam and Eve. It is true that they sinned. And that when they sinned, sin then entered the entire world, all of creation. And then every person born from them after them is born into sin with a sin nature. It's true that sin separates you from God. It's true that God must punish sin because he is holy and he is perfect. And he cannot associate with sin at all. It is true that God sent his son Jesus to the earth. It's true that Jesus lived a perfect life. It's true that Jesus took the punishment for sin that you and I deserve. 1 Corinthians 5.21, important verse. You can write that down too. 1 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That is the gospel in a nutshell. For our sake, he made him, God made Jesus to be sin. He knew no sin. He never sinned a single time. But he made him to be sin so that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. Through the sacrifice of Jesus, God gives you his own righteousness. You understand, it's not you working for it. It's not just because you prayed this magic prayer or because you gave a lot of money to your church, or you said the right thing. It's because you believe in Jesus. And then you are given his very own righteousness. And that's it. That's the truth. It's true that Jesus was buried in a tomb. And it's true that on the third day, he rose again, and he defeated death. He defeated sin. He defeated hell. He defeated Satan forever. And it is true that you must repent of your sin and believe in Jesus to be saved. This is the truth, capital T, truth. It is the only truth. You need to know the truth. Now, I know that most of you, if not all of you, know what I just said. I just, I walked through the gospel story. That's what I did. And I know that most of you know the facts of what I just went through. And then even last weekend, Luke Larko did a great job explaining that we have to know and believe and understand the claims of Jesus. We have to know them. And he said this, he knows that you know them. And I know that you probably do too. But it's more than just knowing. It's also believing. And then believing, you need to hold fast to the truth. Like I said before, being a Christian, it's not just praying a prayer that you repeated after a pastor and then living like nothing ever happened. Being a Christian is putting your trust in Jesus and then living in obedience to Him. Your life will change after you trust in Jesus because of your lifestyle of Repentance. that's the truth you have to know the truth you have to believe the truth and you have to hold fast to the truth there will be people in this life who try to get you to believe in other things there will be people that you will come into contact with that will tell you that you are stupid and that you are crazy for believing in the way the truth and the life These people are going to try and convince you that you're wrong. They're going to try and say, well, the Big Bang happened. Or you should believe in science over the Bible. Or you should believe in, you should be a Muslim instead of a Christian. Anything you can think of. There are going to be people who try and tell you that you are wrong. They are going to want you to forsake your belief in Jesus. Excuse me. Don't fall for that. Don't listen to that. Know the truth, believe the truth, and hold fast to the truth. The Bible warns against this falling away. We just read these verses in James, but here's some more. 1 Timothy 4.1. It says, In later times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to the deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. Some will depart from the faith. It says some are going to walk away. They're going to leave the faith. Hebrews 3.12, it says, take care brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. Jesus is the truth. God is the only living God. <clears throat> Colossians 2.8 says, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy. And by empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. That verse is so important. I want you to imagine for a second that your dad or your mom walks into your room and says, See to it that you make up your bed from now on. What are you going to do? If that's the language that your parents use, see to it that you do this. You're going to be like, "Whoa! Well, you've probably never used that word before, but I get it that you're being serious. That I have to make sure that I am making up my bed. You understand? Seeing to something is following through. It's making sure that it's happening. So Paul writes there in Colossians, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy, by empty deceit. The world is going to throw at you all kinds of philosophies and beliefs and schools of thought and and different things that oppose the Christian faith. And the Bible says, do not let it take you captive. You may be inclined to think, oh, that sounds kind of interesting. I want to learn more. You have to be careful with that. Now, if you're learning more about other religions and things, which is fine, it needs to be from the perspective of, I need to learn about why it's wrong, and how to evangelize about Christ and Christianity to people who believe these things. But if you jump head first into something, a different religion, some other philosophy, and you're going, oh, this is really cool, this is really good stuff, I want to learn more. You have to be careful, because it could take your mind captive. You understand? It says, do not be taken captive by these philosophies and empty deceit. Look, everything other than Christ is empty and it's deceitful anything that anyone ever tells you about this religion, that religion, this is different, this is better. It's empty and it's deceitful. It's lies. You have to be on guard against these things. Well, okay, how can you make sure, right? We've heard about, okay, don't fall away. Hold fast to the truth. How can you be sure? How can you make sure that you are not led astray or that you're not falling away? First of all, this is going to sound very basic. It kind of is. Read the Bible. Read the Bible. Spend time in God's Word as often as you can. It should be our goal as Christians to be reading the Bible every day. More than just a few verses here and there, but to be studying God's Word, getting to know Him better. Read The Bible, spend time in prayer. Get to know Jesus better and better. And as you know him more and more, you'll be less likely to be led astray. You guys have heard of um, counterfeit bills, right? What does that mean, a counterfeit bill? What does it mean? Yeah, a fake dollar bill, right? Now, there are people out there who are really, really good at recognizing when a bill is counterfeit. They can just take a look at it and go, oh, no, that's fake. Well, there's this one guy who, who knows things, this really well. I don't remember his name or anything, but they were at, he asked, someone asked him, how do you know these fake bills so well? Like, How can you just tell so quickly when it's a fake bill? And he said, you get really good at recognizing what's fake by knowing what the real thing looks like. he studied real dollar bills. He got to know what they looked like, the little details on these dollar bills, how the light reflected off of them, everything about these dollar bills, to where the second that he was shown something that was fake, he, that's not it, that's not real. I've, I've spent a lot of time looking at a real dollar bill, and that's fake. In a similar way, if you know Jesus well, And if you're always seeking to have a better relationship with him, if you're reading his word, if you are studying his word, if you are getting to know him, the way, the truth, the life, better and better every single day, you won't be fooled by anything that tries to take your attention away from him. (coughs) You won't be fooled or deceived into walking away from the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. So you have to, point number one, know the truth and cling to it. Know the truth and cling to it. I chose the word cling because it means to hold on tightly to. Know the truth. Maybe you can add believe the truth and cling to the truth. If you're doing these If you're clinging to God's word and the truth, it'll be much less likely that you wander away and that you're fooled or deceived by something that's not real. Now James, he says that when someone wanders from the truth and someone brings him back. So we have this picture of someone who starts to wander away. Someone who says, I'm a Christian, I believe all this stuff, but then one day, they start to walk away towards something else and leave behind the Christian principles and doctrines behind them. And as this person is walking away, someone who is a Christian comes to that person and doesn't let them wander away. And someone brings him back to the truth. Now if you are going to do this, if you if you're going to be bringing someone back to the truth, the truth of the gospel, then you need to be able to notice and recognize that they've actually wandered off in the first place. If you don't notice when people are starting to wander from the truth, you're not going to be doing anything to bring them back because you're not even going to see it. So I saw the story once of this babysitter in when I said the word babysitter, maybe you already know where the story is going. But this babysitter was at the, uh, the kid's house that she was babysitting. And um, the kid was playing in his room. And she decided that she was going to talk on the phone to a friend. <laughs> and uh, she spent two hours talking on the phone with her friend. And by the time this phone conversation was over, and she realized, oh, it's been two hours, she also realized, I haven't heard the kid in two hours. I don't know where he is. I don't know what's going on. Oh, my goodness. So she walks into the playroom, the the boy's room, and he's not in there. His toy is all over the ground. He's not there. She's freaking out. She walks outside. He's not there. Wow. She's freaked out. She runs inside, just doesn't know what to do, decides, I have to call the police. I I have to, I don't know where he's at. She picks up the phone, and before she dials 911, the doorbell rings. She walks to the door, and it's her neighbor. And her neighbor has the little boy with them. Now, this babysitter was not paying attention, was not paying attention at all, was on the phone, and this boy walked not just out of the room and through the house, but out of the house into the neighbor's yard. And the neighbor happened to see this little boy and was like, oh, that's my neighbor. Why is he alone? He shouldn't be alone. Walking back over to the house. The point is there, she didn't notice the little boy wandering away because she wasn't paying attention. She was too focused on this phone call. She was too focused on herself and having this call that really probably wasn't even important in the first place. She should have been focusing on what her job was, which is to watch out for this kid. Unfortunately, people wander away from the truth more often than you may realize So you need to be paying attention. You need to be focusing on other people. If you love and you care for your brothers and sisters in Christ sincerely, then you're going to care for how their relationship with Jesus is going. It should be a normal part of your conversation with your friends that are Christians to say, hey, how is your relationship with Christ? What has God been teaching you lately? What have you been reading in his word? What have you been praying for? How can I be praying for you? It shouldn't be weird for Christians to talk to their friends who are also Christians about these things. It should be common. It should be normal. But sometimes Christians can get too caught up with themselves to notice what's going on in the lives of other Christians. So this is how people who claim to be Christians, can wander away from the truth and there's nobody there to say, hey, no, 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 come back. Where where are you going? What's what's happening? Philippians 2, 3 and 4, it says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. As a Christian, you need to care for others more than you care for yourself. There's no room for selfishness in the life of a Christian. You should be looking out for the needs of others. You should be focused on others. When you walk into a room like this, your focus should not be on yourself I'm assuming that's why you guys didn't sit here, and I'm assuming that's why you sat behind the pole, right? Because you were like, oh, I don't want the best seat, I'll take the bad seat, right? That's what you guys did that for. But seriously, your thoughts should be, how can I serve other people? Not, I need the best seat in the house. Not, I'm just going to care about me, but your focus needs to be on each other. Loving each other sincerely, watching out for each other. Count others more significant than yourselves. And when you're paying attention to how others are doing, when you're asking others, how are you doing? How is your relationship with Jesus? Someone may then say, you know what, I'm actually having some trouble. Maybe you'd be surprised, probably would. And how many people, maybe even some of you in this room, are struggling with thoughts of like, how do I know this is really true? How can I be sure? What about all the other religions? Questions like that. These things are going through people's minds all the time. But if you are determined to be asking your friends questions, how are you doing? How is your relationship with Jesus? These conversations will hopefully be coming up. And you can be an encouragement to your friends. And you can open the Bible with them. You can pray with them and show them that this is indeed the truth and the only truth. To so be focused on others, not just yourself. Now, what does it look like? Okay, now th- that, that's great to talk about. That's, that'd be really cool if that happened, and it should be happening, but okay, what does it look like when someone starts to walk away from the truth? Well, maybe, usually, it starts with their behavior. They start doing things and committing sins that they know are wrong, and then there's no repentance. There's no sorrow. They're at a point where they just don't care. So they're not repenting of things anymore. And the way that they act, the way they talk, will start to become more like people who don't follow Jesus than those who do. They'll become less and less interested in church, in the Bible, in prayer, and in God as a whole. Like I said... They might start asking questions about God and His existence, questions like, "Well, how do I know that the Bible is reliable? How do I know that the, the Book of Mormon isn't actually the right thing?" How do we know this?" They'll say things like, "Well well, how do you know that all the other religions are actually wrong?" Or maybe they'll say things like this, "I don't actually think hell is a real place." You've got to pay attention to what they're saying they're thinking about because that could be a clue. Now pretty soon, it'll get to the point where you can't recognize them at all because they're totally different. And unfortunately, some of you or many of you have people in mind right now that have done this. People that were here at the narrow. Maybe they're in the edge with you. But they're not here anymore because they've, they've gone down this path. They've wandered away. I had a good friend growing up who unfortunately wandered from the truth. And pretty much what happened to him is everything I just described. And that is painful to think about. That one time at one point in time we were in youth group together. And in fact we were in, on the worship team together. And one day as we got older he just said, "Yeah, this isn't for me anymore. I don't believe this." That's sad but that is what it looks like when someone starts to walk away. You need to be looking out for your brothers and sisters in Christ. And you need to be able to recognize when someone is walking away, is wandering away from the truth. So here's point two. Watch for wandering Christians. Watch for wandering Christians. <clears throat> James, he ends the letter in verse 20 by saying this. Let him know... That whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. After you recognize that someone is wandering away, then you have to take action. And that's what James is getting at here. Recognize it and then bring them back. Well, how do you do this? You do by warning them. The warning is that, hey, you are living in unrepentant sin. And if you keep on in this, the Bible actually says that you're, you may not really be a Christian. That's the danger here that we're talking about. Listen, let's be clear. We're not talking about people who were actually saved and then they lose their salvation. You don't lose your salvation once you're genuinely saved. Okay? Does that make sense? We're talking about people who may not be. And that's the danger. The Bible says very clearly that Christians, people who are genuinely saved, they will, they will finish life with God. They will not walk away. So whenever you have a friend that's, that's wandering away, you need to warn them. Like, hey, you know what the Bible says about this. You, you, you need to repent. And if you don't, then, then you may not really be a Christian because Christians are going to be repenting of their sin. You need to be warning of this danger. If someone is wandering from the truth and they're not thinking about repentance, that's a bad sign. When you see that, sirens need to be going off in your brain. Danger. This is dangerous. You need to bring them back. So, is this what you should do? Should you approach them and say, hey, 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 you're not really a Christian. You're going to hell. Is that what you should say? No. Mm -mm. Not at all. Probably not like that. Galatians 6.1 is very clear about what you should do. It says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. So it's not a pointing a finger and saying, whoa, 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 you're not a Christian, you're going to hell. Nothing like that. You should lovingly and gently remind the person that what they're doing is sinful. Now, I'm not saying that it's a casual thing like, hey, let's just talk, just a little conversation, you know, you're doing something bad. No, you you can be stern and upfront with them, but it has to be done in love. Saying, hey, I'm telling you this because I love you and because I care for you, but what you're doing, the way you're living, is wrong. And, and, and here's some Bible verses. Here's what the Bible says about the way that you're living. And, and you need to repent of your sin. You need to ask God to forgive you because if you don't, you, you're, you're in danger. It should be love and gentleness, not a pointing finger. The hope and the prayer is that when you say this to someone, that it'll be a wake-up call to them. Like, whoa, you're right. Like, I'm not living right. I'm in danger. I need to repent. And pray that they do. Pray that you will bring them back to the truth. Now notice what it says. It says, the person who brings back a sinner will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sin. This verse is really, really cool. It is so cool. Christians need each other. You need each other. The Bible is very, very clear that you need each other. You cannot and you should not be trying to walk through the Christian life alone. Never ever fall for the lie that goes in your mind of, oh, I don't actually need to go to church to do that. The Bible doesn't say explicitly go to church or you're not a Christian, so I don't need to do that. I don't need, I've got friends that are not Christians, and that's fine. Don't even think about entertaining those lies, because the Bible is clear. Christians need each other. You need the people in this room. (laughs) You need your small group leaders. God uses the church. God uses you to keep each other from falling away. I want you to think about that for just a second. Think about how big that is, how major that is. He uses you to keep each other from falling away. God is using you. So if there's a situation where you go to someone who's wandering and you bring them back, you did that, but really God is using you. I heard this illustration, it's like someone who's going to chop down a tree. What does that person need in order to chop down a tree? An axe or something, right? It won't happen without it. So it's like we are the axe in God's hand, and he's using us to keep people from falling away. That's how important the church is. That's how important you are to each other. He uses Christians to keep other Christians from falling away. When you bring someone back to the truth of the gospel, Sins are forgiven. You did not forgive the sin. You didn't do that, but you brought them back to the gospel and the gospel of Jesus is what saves sinners of their sin. So when you notice someone wandering from the truth and when you go to them and you say, I'm telling you this because I love you, you're in danger, you need to repent. You bring them back. God has just used you to save that person From death. And by death, I'm not talking about physical death, I'm talking about the second death, I'm talking about hell. I hope that you understand how important it is that you're watching for each other, that you're holding each other accountable to living out the gospel, to not wandering away. Because your action, your action of stepping out there and saying that look it's not comfortable it's not easy <laughs> to, to say that to someone but are you going to choose comfort when that means oh I'm comfortable but that person may not actually be a Christian and if they died they might actually go to hell or are you going to say you know what it's not comfortable but I love that person too much to see that happen so I'm going to go check on them I'm going to go help them I'm going to go bring them back Everyone who says they're a Christian needs to be involved in the local church because it is our job to hold each other accountable. So when you see someone that you love living in a pattern of unrepentant sin, the Bible says that you need to go and you need to do everything you can to bring them back. Be praying for that person. Go and warn that person of the danger of the direction they're heading in. And when someone sees you in a pattern of sin, they should gently, (coughs) sorry, correct you. And if or when someone comes to you and says, I'm telling you this because I love you, but you're in danger, you need to repent. What you're going to want to do, because we're human, is say, who do you think you are? You don't need to talk to me that way. I'm fine. I've got this. But that should not be the response. The response should be, whoa, yeah, you're right. Thank you for telling me that. Here's point number three. Bring wanderers back to the truth. Bring wanderers back to the truth. And that is how James finishes his letter to the Christians of the dispersion. So think again. He could have chosen to put some kind of formal greeting like Paul does a lot. He could, he could have said anything there but what he decided to do was say, watch out for those that are wandering, and do what you can to bring them back. It's important. It's important that you are holding each other accountable. Let's pray. <clears throat> God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the book of James. Thank you for how wonderful it's been to study it. Thank you for all the practical truth in here, for all the wonderful things that we've learned through your word. God, I pray that this has been beneficial, that it's, it's helped everyone to grow in their faith, to know you better, to love you more. God, help us to believe the truth, to know, to know the truth, to believe the truth, to hold fast to it, God. And if anybody at any point starts to wander away, I pray that someone in this room, a Christian here, would bring them back, would remind them of the gospel, and that you would use these students, that you would use us to be doing this, to be holding each other accountable. And so we're thankful for the church. Thank you that you've given us to each other. Help us to love each other well. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.